so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful spring day. And let me tell you, I'm enjoying the warm weather when the wind especially is kind of low. It's kind of nice. So we're just, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad for this opportunity to get to share what's been on my heart. And uh, we're continuing today a series that Micah started yesterday called Real Life. And we're talking about real life issues. And we're, we're going through parts of the book of James and some other books. And, and we're asking, you know, what, what does it look like to follow God in real life? And tackling some of those issues that are sometimes hard, hard to talk about. And so today we're going to talk about suffering and we're going to talk about trials and and going through pain. And uh, I just pray for a generous outpouring of wisdom, because that's what we need for a topic um, topic like this. And I want to preface, preface this whole, whole thing by saying this. Um, I know here today there are people who are suffering. And there are people today who are mourning and who are going through pain of, of different kinds. And I just want to acknowledge that and say, hey, we know, we know it's hard. And I also want to acknowledge that um, no suffering looks the same, that there are different types of suffering, and even similar types of suffering with different people going through suffering, it looks different um, in people's lives. And so there's no simple solution, and there's no, hey, here's the formula, do this, this, and this, and you'll just be fine. You know, there's no answer um, like that. And so as I speak on this topic, I just ask for grace that, that what, we, what I say may not apply completely to you. It may be different than your experience, and that's okay. Um, but there's a lot of room for grace when we talk about suffering. And I'll acknowledge from the very beginning that I, I am not an expert, <laughs> and I don't have all the answers. And so this is just um, an exploration of what it looks like to follow God. In suffering. So most of us who've lived a few years know that at one point or another we will all encounter suffering. Um, just, just because you're a good person or just because you're a Jesus follower, it doesn't mean that you're going to be immune to pain and that you won't have to go through hard times. In fact, Jesus says in John 16, he says, in this world you will have trouble. You will encounter um, suffering. Some of you know my story and some of you don't, but um, my parents are missionaries, and so I grew up on the mission field. So I grew up in, in a country called Guinea. It's in West Africa, and um, it's a third world country. And I grew up for, for many of those years in a, in a rural village. So a rural village in a third world country. You can imagine some of the, some of the, the sights that I saw there. But I, I grew up in in just extreme, or surrounded by extreme poverty, and and so much, so much suffering. I remember even at a young age, I was having a conversation with with my neighbor. You know, when you're a kid, you don't always know not to ask certain questions. I don't know how old I was, but um, I asked my neighbor, "How many children have you had?" And they meant, that may not seem like. A hard question to ask here, but there, that's a really personal question. And my neighbor said, you know, I've, I've had 16 and eight are living. And I remember as a child, even as a child, like just the somberness of that moment as I realized that half of her children had died. 
I also remember from the village when we lived there, the time of harvest, you know, rice, the rice crops was their big crop. Was their big, and, and, and the time of harvest, they would all go out into the fields and they would, they would bring in the rice. And some years when they came in, I mean, you could just hear the singing. You could hear the joyfulness. Um, we had rice, we're going we're gonna to eat for the next year. And then there were other years where you could feel the grim solemnness as they walked back when the rice crops had failed. And they knew what was in store for that year to come. And so I remember even as a child asking, how do we, how do we handle such suffering? How do we approach so much um, difficulty? And here, you know, in Africa, they used to talk about, oh, if only I could go to Fotita, and that was the land of the white person, is what they would call it. If, I, well, if only I could go to America, well, then all my problems would be solved. So, like, I would have money, I would have food, we would have good doctors. And in, in, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of that is true. But yet, even here, there is still so much suffering at times, and we still have poverty and homelessness and natural disasters and, and bad decisions and injustice and crime and, and things that can't be explained, like cancer, depression, or sickness, illness, and death. And so today I want to ask, um, what, what is our response to suffering? And I want to ask, what is God's response to our suffering? Often when, when we suffer, we ask, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? And, and another common question is to question the goodness of God. Why would God, why would a good God, why would a loving God allow this to happen? Is he, is he still good? Is he still loving? And, and totally oversimplifying it here, but two main directions can go when we're when we approach suffering, is either to, to move closer to God or to move away from God in our suffering. So knowing that, that suffering is a real part of, of life, um, today this is what we're considering. So we're going to go to James 1, and James is a, is a book with so many different topics. And he begins, James talks about suffering in several different places in James, and we're going to start with James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So in the topic of suffering, did you expect joy to be in the first phrase? I certainly didn't. So James starts off saying, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know if you read your Bible and just stop and say, what? But that happens to me a lot. <laughs> and this is one of those cases where I'm like, why, why pure joy? Why joy? What is joy? And sometimes we... We use the word joy and happiness almost interchangeably. And we think of joy as, as happiness, and it's not quite the same. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit, is a gift, gift from God. And, and this is the definition that I've, that I've 
that's been able to resonate the most with me. That joy is this deep-seated sense of well-being and security in knowing Jesus. So this deep-seated, this inner sense of well-being and security knowing, in knowing Jesus. To be, to be anchored in Jesus, to, to know that I'm still secure no matter what's happening around me. So happiness is often um, dictated by the external circumstances. So pure joy, in the Christian sense, has nothing to do with your external circumstances. It has to do with knowing, knowing Jesus. So James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever. It doesn't say if. So sadly, we shouldn't be surprised when we encounter hardships. So whenever, everyone will encounter some if you haven't already. Trials of many kinds. I've just finished reading a book, and it was by Timothy Keller, and it's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. It's a really powerful book. It's a long book, but a good read um, if this is a topic you're, you're interested in exploring further. And he divides up um, suffering into four different categories. And he, he talks about how it's really important to distinguish between the different types of suffering because our responses to those sufferings um, can be very different. And so his four different main types of suffering are, um, one, the suffering that we bring on ourselves, so the suffering um, as a result of sin, consequences, the suffering of a betrayal, someone betraying us, the suffering of a loss, uh, suffering of grief, the death of a loved one. And then this fourth category, which is really um, intrigued, it, it interested me because I'm like, wow, that I never heard it put quite so plainly. But he said the suffering of mystery. When, when we go through pain and struggles and there's no reasonable explanation. We don't know why. There's, there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, a good example of that in Scripture would be the book of Job. You know, why? There's, there's no real reason for it. And so as we look at these four different types of sufferings, I just want to remind us that um, everyone's journey is different. Even if we're, on a, we're in a similar, you know, type of suffering, everyone is, you know, goes through pain in a little bit different ways. And that's good for us to know when we encounter suffering because what I encounter may be different than what someone else encounters and what I need may be different than what someone else needs. And it's really good for us to recognize that when um, maybe we're not going through suffering, but we're talking with someone who is. Because what I've, I, what I've experienced may not be the best thing for that person. And so we need to allow a lot of room um, for people to walk through suffering in their unique way. Unfortunately, I've heard some of these, these Christian responses to suffering that are way more harmful and, and not at all comforting than they are good, um, even if they hold truth. So, I've, I mean, I've actually heard someone say to a mom who just lost her child, you know, God has a reason for everything. And, and I'm thinking, well, that's, that would be the that's an inappropriate use of that truth. <laughs> and even that truth, I mean, a, a little shaky there, like, but that's assuming that God brought that suffering. That's assuming that that was, you know, something that God did. And so we need to be just really, really careful 
with our words when we're talking with people who are going um, through suffering. Most of the time, people don't, don't want advice. They'd ask for it if they do. Most of the time, they don't want a reason for the suffering. They, they just want to know that we care. They want companionship. They want understanding. I mean, I, I help coach Alyssa, my little nine-year-old's girls on the run, and uh, a couple weeks ago, our lesson was on empathy. You know, we were talking about how we walk in each other's shoes. We think about what must it be like to be them, and then we respond accordingly. And, and that's what, what people are needing. So James says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then he continues, and he says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith. Well, this word testing, can, it can mean a lot of different things. Um, sometimes we read the word testing and we're thinking, well, is God just like thinking up of things to put us through to see if you know, our, our faith is going to stand? And, and I don't think so. In fact, James 1, in fact, James 1, 13 says, When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God's not this mean guy poking at us trying to see if we're going to fail. So what, is, what does James mean by testing, this testing of our faith? As a teacher, um, when, I, when I was teaching, they talked about two different types of assessments. They talked about summative assessments, and they talked about formative assessments. And a summative assessment, assessment was at the end. You had to prove whether you got it or not. The end of the unit, that was your final grade. The formative assessments were just along, along the way, these many little, could be tests, could be pop quizzes, could be little projects, to, to show where you were lacking and to teach you the skills you needed to do well on the summative assessment. And I wonder if that's the concept that James is talking about here, that God is using the trials and the sufferings to shape us and to deepen our faith, to refine it. And, and it says the outcome of that testing is, is perseverance and maturity and being complete and not lacking in anything. God is using that to help get us to where we need to go. In James 1.12, says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So intellectually, I can understand that my, my joy, my well-being and security, um, that I can understand there can be joy in suffering. And intellectually, I can understand that there are some positive outcomes to suffering. But if we're really honest, when I'm in the middle of it, that intellectual knowledge doesn't always cut it. Like it it's super painful. I mean, that's what... That's kind of what suffering means. And so we ask God what he says in verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all. We ask God to give us wisdom on how to walk through suffering. And as I was studying this, three things really came out to me. And so those are the three things that I want to share with you about how we should respond 
to suffering. And again, these are general concepts found in scriptures. It's not like a formula or a list on how to um, in hear the steps, but three big things that stood out to me. And all of them have to do with leaning into God, moving towards God instead of moving away from God in suffering. So the first one is to lament. What an interesting word, lament. It's a very rich word. It's not a word that we use um, very often, but it means to cry out to God, to, to be real, to be raw, to weep, to ask questions, just to be your, your authentic self before God, to share your, your doubts. I heard someone say once, she was sharing her testimony, and she talked about all these horrible things that had happened to her. And then she said, and I had to, I had to grieve and find my way through that outside of the church because there was no room for my suffering in the church. And I thought, oh, that is, that is not okay. <laughs> that, is, that is not okay. That, is, that was super just saddening to me because Scripture is full of people coming to God in their suffering and in their pain. And God is big enough to handle it. I mean, he's God. He's big enough to handle everything that we're thinking and feeling. And so one example in Scripture from Jeremiah, I mean, just so raw and so out there, Jeremiah 15 um, verse 18, Jeremiah, this prophet, this man of God who's, who's doing, you know, s- telling people God's mission and he's doing these big things, but he goes through this season of pain and he says, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me, and he's talking to God, you are to me a deceptive brook like a spring that fails. And Jeremiah, this man of God, says, why is this pain so bad? And, and it's, it's like you're failing me. What's going on here? And Jeremiah brings that question to God. And I love how he brings that to God. And to be honest, we may not always get the why answer. But God always answers and he always shows up. The Psalms are another beautiful example of, of heartfelt laments to God. In college, in college for a couple of years, I went through a really dark time in my life. And I remember reading scripture was really hard for me at that time. And, and I remember sharing that with a friend and she led me to the Psalms and she taught me something that I've, I've used many times since then. She said, read the Psalms and then pray them in your own words. And, um, and I want to give you an example of that because it was truly a blessing in my life. So I want to give you an example of what that looks like in a, in a couple of the Psalms. So Psalm 61, it may look like this. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. God, hear me. I'm coming to you. I need you. Please listen. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Oh God, I'm, I'm fading here. I'm hurting my heart. I need you. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I need a rock. I need a steady place to stand. Will you be my rock? Because I feel like I'm sinking right now. For you have been my refuge, 
a strong tower against the foe. God, you've saved me in the past. I need you to be my Savior now. Psalm 63. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. God, I'm up again in the middle of the night for hours at a time. I'm thinking of you, and I need you to meet me here. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. God, I know you're powerful, and I know you love me, and I need your help. Even in this moment, I sing your praises, and I know you've got your arms wrapped around me. I'm in the shadow of your wing. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. God, I can't see where I'm going, but I'm going to hold on tight to you through this. Please lead the way. These types of prayers, these types of laments when we're suffering, help us just to be really real before God. And it's beautiful when we're able to be that, that honest and vulnerable with God, what God's response to us is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So the first thing I would say, our response to God, is to lament, to truly tell him how we are feeling and to go to him day in and day out. The second thing um, is to consider the suffering of Jesus. Consider the suffering of Jesus. Um, in my experience, when I've gone through a hard time, it's really easy for me to be absorbed in it, to, to just my focus to be all about me, um, not in a selfish way, but just in that that's all I can handle right there. So I'm, I'm absorbed in my suffering, and it blinds me to, to God and who Jesus is and a lot of other stuff going on around me. And so con- to consider the suffering of Jesus and, and we have four accounts of his life. Um, John talks about how he's, he was weary and he was thirsty. Multiple Gospels talks about how he was tempted by Satan. Uh, in multiple references about him being distressed or grieving, um, about him being troubled in heart. Hebrews was a fascinating, there's a fascinating little verse in there um, that I hadn't remembered until I read it this week. Hebrews 5, 7 says, Jesus offered up prayers with loud cries and tears to God when he was hurting. We see over and over in Jesus' life how he was misunderstood and rejected by his family and his friends and also by the religious leaders and some of the general public. And then the last life of Jesus that, that Micah talked about just a, a week before Easter, where he was betrayed and abandoned, where he was tried unjustly, and he experienced extreme physical pain, and that culminated with his death on the cross. Isaiah 53 speaks of Jesus, and he describes him this way. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Later on in that chapter, it says, and by his wounds, we are healed. We serve a God who has known suffering. We serve a God not only who has known suffering, but who's entered into suffering on our behalf. And so when we suffer, when we're in pain, he is a God you want to go to. 
because he's been there and he enters that suffering with us. He's not distant or aloof. He enters into our suffering to walk with us. Isaiah 43 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The waters, the the hard times. God says, I will be with you. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So God meets us in our suffering. So we need to, to go to him. The, the third thing that I wanted to talk about um, in our response to God is to look for where God is working. Look, look for where God is working in all the suffering and in the pain. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend this week about suffering, and one of the things she said is that our suffering doesn't have to be wasted. And I liked that. Our suffering doesn't have to be wasted. God can use it to bring about good. There's an example of a man um, named Paul in the New Testament who, who suffered a great deal. He was beaten and stoned and attacked multiple times. He was shipwrecked. Um, he was imprisoned. And this is what he writes in 1 Corinthians about his struggles. He says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. And so who is this God that he's relying on? He writes in the same chapter earlier on, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So we see this God, this ca- the character of this God, and he's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So he's the one that we want to go to. It kind of it helps us understand the James phrase, consider it pure joy, too. Like even amidst all that suffering, he, can, he shows up with compassion and comfort. James speaks of suffering one other, one other place, and so I want to go there real quick. Um, James 5, verses 10 through 11, and he says, Be patient in suffering and watch for what God does. It says, Brothers and sisters, um, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of God. As you know, we count as blessed those who have been um, persevered those who have persevered you have heard of job's perseverance and have seen and have seen what the lord finally brought about the lord is full of compassion and mercy so our suffering does not negate the goodness of god god is still good and god is still compassionate and that is seen when we walk through suffering one of the there's a lot of hard things to understand in the story of job but one of the things i like the most about the story of job is that when job experienced all this pain and all these questions of why this is happening he went to god he kind of had it out with god he kind of wrestled with god and god showed up and god was faithful to to job 
It's not easy to walk through suffering, and it's not easy to look for God in our suffering. But it's amazing that when we do, God shows up in powerful ways, and his character is revealed. God is is good, and God is a God of hope, and he brings a lot of hope into that suffering. He is faithful. He's present. He's with us. He walks with us. He strengthens us. He he shapes us. He teaches us. He comforts us. And then he asks us, sometimes even while we're in our suffering, hey, will you comfort that person too? To ask us to to pay that forward. Above all, God gives us hope both for this life and the next life. In this life, he is the father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. And in the next life, um, Revelations 21, John uh, describes heaven as he saw it in his vision. And he says says this, he says, um, he will wipe away, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. And later on in that chapter, he says, God says, I am making everything new. So as we lean into God, God meets us there. That's his response to our suffering. He meets us there, and he provides the hope we need, the comfort we need, and the compassion we need to go on. It's not maybe the easiest answer to suffering. I wish I wish I could like wave a little magic wand, you know, sometimes and just take it all away. But that's not real life. And in this series about real life, we're talking about really hard issues. So I hope as I as I've spoken on this topic that you haven't heard me oversimplifying it or in any way diminishing suffering, because I know those are hard roads to walk. But I also know that Jesus walked a road of suffering, and he overcame it, and he conquered it, and he, it is, it is through him that we can have a lot of hope and a lot of comfort in that. So we're going to take communion. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Um, we're going to take communion, and, and as we take communion, we're going to remember Jesus. We're going to remember his suffering, how he came down, and how he entered into our suffering. And this is what he says in, in John 16. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Jesus, we can overcome our suffering as well. In Jesus, in Jesus, we find forgiveness, we find healing, we find comfort. And so I would just encourage each of us, um, whether we're going through a season of suffering now or, or maybe in preparation for, for something that is to come, to remember that Jesus has been there and, and in him, we have the strength and the hope we need to to get through that. 
So for, with communion, we're going to take the piece of bread, and the bread represents his body broken on the cross, and we're going to dip it in the juice that represents his blood, and we're going to remember that he suffered and that he died for us. But the story didn't end there. We're going to also remember that he resurrected, and he conquered death, and he conquered suffering, and he overcame that, and, uh, and he's going to make everything new. So let's, let's go to God in prayer as we continue. Dear God, we just thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for being willing to come to earth, Lord, and to suffer for us. Lord, we thank you that you meet us in our suffering and our pain, and you don't dismiss it, Lord, but that you provide comfort and strength, Lord, that you are the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And God, that in you there is hope. There is hope both in this life to overcome the trials that we face and to overcome them with joy, and also, Lord, hope in the next life where all pain and suffering will be erased and where there will just be joy. Lord, we just thank you for who you are and we remember what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.